Welcome to the Hockey is for Everybody podcast. I am your co-host, Anthony Walsh, and I'm here with... Kendall Bowen-Porter. Excellent, excellent. Today we have a fantastic show. We have Justin Brown coming uh, to you live. From, uh, he's driving right now uh, to a big, big tournament. He's a hockey coach in, in the New York area. But before that, Justin grew up in the Twin Cities area, St. Louis Park, and played uh, hockey there. He played junior hockey after that, played at Iowa State, Bethel, uh, Justin is a combat veteran of Afghanistan and also works at the Pentagon, and he will talk more about that. So we have a really exciting guest today, and uh, we cannot wait to get to it. So, Justin, hey, how are you, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here, yeah. Um, seriously, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on right now. Like, where are you driving to and what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I'm driving up to Utica, New York. Uh, we're about midway through the season. I'm coaching a U16 AAA travel hockey team uh, that plays out of the Tier 1 Hockey Federation. It's a newer league, uh, kind of based off the USPHL uh, Junior Hockey League. But uh, it's a newer league, and, uh, you know, we got some new teams. But we're about midway through here uh, and starting the second half of the season. So we're playing around 50 games, so we got about 25 left. So, um, you know, we got about probably four games this weekend, so we got to dial in. We're playing a couple teams we've seen before, but, uh, you know, we're never content with where we're at. And tonight we got a game at 5 o'clock, so I'm looking forward to it. That is really cool. And uh, you're, you know, now on the back end of your hockey career and giving back in such a meaningful way. But take us back to the beginning. Um, you know, how did how did Justin Brown start playing hockey? How did Justin Brown fall in love with the game and, you know, maybe start there? Yeah, so I grew up in St. Louis Park, like you said, um, a smaller uh, suburb of Minneapolis. Um, so growing up, you know, I started with a wood stick. Not many kids these days have a wood stick anymore. Um, but yeah, I, all my cousins grew up playing, so that's kind of how I got involved in hockey. Um, and then from there, I kind of just fell in love with it. You know, the, the cold winters, you're able to skate out on the pond with your friends and uh, just the competitive nature of the game uh, growing up. So I, in St. Louis Park, a smaller community, I was a step up in early mites into squirt. Uh, and then as soon as I got the Peewees and Bantams, it became more competitive and you kind of realize that, you know, you're doing this for real and uh, you're, you're taking it a little bit more serious. So uh, during that time, I think St. Louis Park merged with Minneapolis and with that merger, we became the Minneapolis Park Storm. So I got to, I got to get to know some other people and and different kids throughout you know throughout my career, and also just in the summers. Obviously, that's how we met playing Team Reebok uh, under Joe Deesick, and getting to know kids from all over the, the western suburbs and a little bit of the north. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hockey and the culture in Minnesota is very rich. Uh, it's very humbling at times because you're, you're competing with some of the best, you know, players growing up, and uh, it's I think it's very surreal. And you got to realize at a certain age that it, you got to lock it in, and, it, and it's for real. So, um, and then growing going into high school, you know, I grew up watching my high school just probably like every other kid. Um, and Tim Donahue was the head coach there, and you know, made a couple appearances in the state tournament, so you're really in awe of those guys. But as soon as I kind of got to St. Louis Park, 
program was uh, transitioning out of the Lake Conference into the North Suburban just because, uh, you know, we became a smaller club and, uh, you know, we had to compete with other teams that I wouldn't say less caliber, but we just didn't fit into the Lake Conference anymore with, you know, the, the big Edina, Minnetonka, Wyzetta, East Prairie, like they used to. So, uh, you know, we went to a less competitive conference playing some smaller schools that were similar to our school size because we were a single-A school really playing in a double-A conference. Um, and, you know, it's the program kind of – it had some tough years ahead of it. And then Sean Podine stepped in, and I actually ended up leaving St. Louis Park and going to play under-18 AAA with the uh, Milwaukee Junior Admirals uh, to take advantage of the opportunity uh, – in the tier one hockey or tier one elite hockey league. So it, it all came full circle and I got to play in a really good team. Uh, oldest cat was the head coach there. He played in the Russian red army and for UW Madison. Um, I don't, I don't remember when maybe back in the eighties, but uh, you know, we had kids from all over and just like hockey, it's a small community. Um, and so we had kids from Colorado, New York, Chicago, Wisconsin and we all had to get familiar with each other and actually we had a pretty tough rough start to our season in that league and playing other teams around the area like your team Illinois your Chicago Young Americans and even uh, Lake Forest Academy I remember our first two games we we got beat like five rip in both games and then towards the end of the season we just got hot kind of started gelling and feeling ourselves a little bit and we made it to the national tournament in 2012 and ended up playing some really good teams, obviously like Shattuck St. Mary's and some teams out of Philly. But, you know, after under 18s, I, I kind of realized I played a few games at tier three and, and realized, uh, you know, I had other, God had some other plans for me other than to play hockey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up kind of transitioning out of hockey and, and joining the military and, you know, that was obviously a big part of my life. And uh, moving after the Army, we I decided to take advantage of the, the GI Bill that the military offers after you get out and, and did four years, like you said, two years at Iowa State and two years at Bethel. And, and then started getting into the workforce, you know, supporting some attorneys out of a mid-sized firm out of Golden Valley, Minnesota, and then uh, kind of kind of got some luck along the way and an old army buddy uh gave me a call when i was working at the law firm and you know presented the opportunity to work at the pentagon and not many people are going to pass that up so you know i had to say yes and i packed up my stuff once again and and moved out to dc and haven't really looked back hey justin uh kendall here i just had a question just going back to kind of your youth days and uh, junior hockey was there kind of one moment that you always look back to and, uh, you know, that stood out to you that you really enjoyed? Yeah, absolutely. I think playing in Milwaukee, you know, you're moving out of high school. The, you know, Minnesota high school is the biggest platform of hockey. Right. And I, I ended up having to leave St. Louis Park uh, by choice and by nature. Because St. Louis Park was going through a couple of tough years, like I said, in transitioning. Uh, from Tim Donahue over to Sean Podine. And, and both are great guys, good coaches, and great people. And 
it wasn't anything personal. It's just more of a, a personal decision for me. And, and I thought that was an opportunity where I could grow. But that year was very memorable uh, just because we were able to, you know, put together a 20-man roster that wasn't great in the beginning. You know, we, right. we didn't show any signs of, you know, being successful. And then uh, our coach, coach put together, you know, practice plans and a structure that we could all gel under. And we ended up, you know, coming out of one of, I would say, arguably one of the hardest regions, which was the Midwest, where you had to play the St. Louis Junior Blues and the, the winning team out of Chicago and a team like Russell Stover at the time. So we beat those three teams and ended up going to nationals. I mean, we didn't obviously meet our goal there. You want to win it all, but, you know, just to make it there is an accomplishment in itself as well. So to me, that was a memorable a memorable year. Got to meet a lot of great people, but really – Really, what looking back, you know, the hockey community is it's small, and you meet a lot of great people through it, and you, you meet some of your best friends through it, and sure. that, I think that's the greatest, uh, uh, you know, gift that the game's given back to me as far as throughout my hockey career. It's the, it's the people for sure. That's awesome. I I love that. And can you speak more on the national? tournament and I love that you you know those teams I definitely recognize but you know Minnesota were definitely spoiled and we definitely have a more inward looking perspective on it because we have such great hockey so yeah I mean can you talk a little bit more just about the AAA and um, you know playing teams like Russell Stover I know that you know they're on on par with teams like Shattuck and all that kind of stuff they play them during the season and uh, you know as you said what it was like to come together with the guys a group of guys that were all you know didn't know each other at first and then to, to bond together to become, you know, a championship caliber team and to obviously, you know, win a championship with your your division or, you know, whatever, you know, division you were coming out of and then to go to the national tournament, which is still such a great accomplishment. Yeah, no, AAA is definitely different. I think the advantage there is you're playing your games in a traditional high school schedule. So, you know, traditional high school in Minnesota is 25 games and then you're you're in the playoffs if you can make it far. And uh, with the AAA, you know, you're going to get 50, maybe 60, 70 games, depending on, you know, what your club decides to schedule. Mm -hmm. So I think we played around 45 to 50. And, you know, you're getting pretty much a a double schedule. So every weekend uh, you're playing games. You're off to a showcase or a tournament or you're – it's kind of like college. You practice, you put in the work uh, during the week, and then – you have the weekend to dial it in and, and really focus on the two to three, maybe four games that you play. Um, so there is an advantage to it. Um, whereas high school, you know, most most high schools in Minnesota, you grow up with those guys from the very beginning. And I think you see a lot of guys stick around in high school because of that, you know, that culture that certain programs have keep those guys around for the four years um and not that I didn't enjoy uh some of the guys that I grew up playing with I just like I said St. Park went through a couple tough years and they're still building and actually one of my old teammates is now the head coach Tyler Broderson is the head coach over there at St. Park and you know happy for yeah. him he was, uh, <laughs> Brody. Yeah, yeah yeah a good teammate um a good guy so I think he's the man for the job but uh yeah yeah so I much grew up playing baseball yeah, exactly. I grew up playing baseball and hockey with him, and, you know, he was always a good teammate, and, 
you know, he excelled at hockey and baseball and, um, you need guys like that to kind of build programs who, who have been in those tough areas or phases of the program to try to really build it. And, you know, um, but there's pros and cons to both. You know, there's not one journey that each hockey player has. Everybody kind of goes the path that suits them. You know, you have the collegiate path now and major juniors. And, uh, you know, there's not one path set out for each player. And uh, sometimes it just comes down to, the opportunities that are presented in front of certain players and how they want to take advantage. So, um, you know, I, I think AAA is a great opportunity if players uh, are looking to play. You get a lot a lot of games, a lot of exposure. Uh, but I think between the Midwest, uh, out east, and maybe out west, uh, AAA is a lot bigger than it, it is in Minnesota or the Midwest, per se. Yeah, and I, I totally understand what you're saying and the whole, you know, the idea of development and people leaving and this and that. And, um, you know, you talk about culture of a community and Edina, for instance, as like, you know, growing up in St. Louis Park and, you know, playing playing with us in the summer, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, right, it was a very, you know, different decision that somebody would have made to, like, leave there. And although I think development-wise it could help somebody to do that, you mentioned just the people you're growing up with, uh, you know, the guys you grow up with, the, you know, the girls you grow up with, the people – um, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, your community backing you, there's nothing like that. And, um, you know, I had played uh, with the Blades and had traveled in the AAA circuit and, you know, gone to play Honeybaked and all those teams in uh, Detroit and Illinois, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And it's really good hockey, like you're saying, and it is really good developmentally. But, um, yeah, just like culturally, it's it's not the same. And then I guess like something as well, um, right, to, th- to talk about is you had mentioned the uh, – different pathways now and I think that that's something that we uh, me and Kendall you as well we're all you know around the same age um, almost identical age in that you know for us growing up if we had gone to play major juniors or something you know WHL yada yada we would have lost our eligibility and you know rules have changed now for that reason and I think that's honestly the best thing that happened I don't think that kids should be boxed in to do one or the other Um, and just kind of like you know, from you, you kind of brought that up a little bit, pathway, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'll open it up to Kendall, um, you know, but like what, you know, like how do you feel about that as well? And, you know, how do we feel? Is it a positive that that's happening? And, um, you know, why is it a positive? I think that could be a, a good a good segment to have there. Yeah, I, I had one question. I saw uh, you went to play a stint with the Iron Rangers in Minnesota. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I played in that side, JHL, and, you know, that's a smaller league. It's, it's, that's a good question. So, out of Milwaukee, there we've always played the Madison Capitals. You know, mm-hmm. they were right next door to us. And Chris Walby was the head coach over there, and I ended up skating with uh, one of my Billet brothers. He actually played on that team. And, you know, in the summer, that post-summer, I uh, was skating with some of the Madison Capitals guys, and Chris Walby ended up transitioning out of uh, AAA and becoming the head coach with the Iron Rangers. So he got me on board there. Uh, the Iron Range is, you know, they're, they're a very blue-collar community, right. you know, up there. And, um, I'm not sure if that was the greatest place to put a hockey team yep. uh, to start. It's a very, it was up in Hoyt Lakes, Minnesota. It's a very small city. Uh, it's a great yeah. league. I think it's a very, you know, junior A, junior A tier two comparison to, you know, your Saskatchewan or 
uh, your Alberta Junior Hockey League, just a little bit smaller. Um, some good players, but yeah, it wasn't the greatest experience up there for me. I actually was uh, coming off a really uh, a thigh contusion, what you could call maybe a lower body injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a deep bruise, so I didn't have a good experience up there as far as stability, and they kind of stuck us all in one house yeah. with like 10 guys. It was just a, an absolute shit show, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up I ended up leaving going to Alexandria to go play for Coach Krause, who's like kind of a, a long-standing coach down there. And I called him and just kind of behind the scenes and said, hey, Chris, to my other coach, I said, I- I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Whether you're releasing me or not, I'm going to a different league. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's funny. Um, I actually uh, I went up there to the Iron Rangers and kind of had a, a similar experience <laughs> Very small town, and uh, yeah, d- this wasn't uh, the right fit for me either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have similar stories. It's uh, yep. yeah, well, yeah, not, what a, do we, not a place you want to be. What no. do we? What do we think then about like? Um, so, I mean, like, do y'all think it's a good thing that they change like the rules? You know, for for high schoolers or for you know athletes to be able to, you know, not not lose eligibility. Uh, as far as bending those rules, I, yeah, I think it's anything to help develop players, really. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing uh, at those levels, development. You know, everybody's, you know, you got your top six, your your bottom six, and your six offensive. Some of those guys may be playing at a a different level, so to speak, in the same league. But uh, I think it's, it's not a bad rule. It helps players develop kind of at their own pace and um but as far as you know obviously the major junior like you said you lose eligibility so that's kind of a bigger decision you have to make coming out of the youth levels or high school yeah i was i was gonna say i think it you know it's good like you said not to be boxed in because you know you're you're young and and even just personally like my parents didn't know too much about hockey and like AAA and the other options, so you know you, you know some kids are kind of making decisions on their own, you know. And if you you know choose one or the other, and you know in that case you you know something doesn't work out, and then you're stuck. You know it makes it hard to you know continue to do what you want to do or develop. So yeah, d- just different options is always good. I think. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and yeah, right. It just, I I do think that ultimately. A lot of kids, um, as you're saying, right, like they're, oh, do I do this? Do I do that? Right. And that I think about even now I was talking to a parent um, two days ago now and they were talking about the COVID crunch and kind of like what that's done now. And basically Mm -hmm. and again, by nobody's fault, but just that, you know, two years of red shirts now as well. Right. And, you know, juniors wise and all these kind of stuff, you just have a backload of kids that are really good hockey players that have nowhere to go because really good hockey players at the top end of the, you know, uh, where they are now, like, you know, age-wise, have gotten a couple extra years and now they're playing, and as they should, right? But just that it, it creates, again, this whole, you know, funnel where really good players are, you know, um, you know, getting uh, passed over. So I do think that it's really important for, for that to happen. So, yeah, I do ultimately think that's really good. I do I'm, – I'm, I'm happy that, you know, players are able to do that. And um, so, yeah, and then also kind of, again, it opens up, you know, more, more avenues. And uh, I, you kind of as well talk about tra- transition-wise, but – you, you transitioned more into a little bit of the, the, the military route. Can you tell us, 
what happened there and then, you know, talk about your experience in the, in the U S military. And, um, I know that you are no longer active and, but just, uh, you know, what kind of, a what lasting effect that's had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after I, uh, got traded, dipped around a little bit, uh, from Alexandria, still coming off an injury, uh, and then going to play back home in Twin Cities, I just, you know, I always loved hockey. It's not, you know, it's something I wanted to do long term, but I think eventually you got to take a look in the mirror and, and kind of realize, uh, and be realistic with yourself. Not that you're giving up or packing it in, but you have to take a good look in the mirror and realize, you know, that maybe this isn't going to pan out the way you want it to. I mean, obviously every kid playing hockey or picks up a stick, uh, at least for me, the guys I was around, you know, they all wanted to play in the NHL. That's really the dream, the goal, but, uh, you know, less than one, 1% of people make it to the, make it to the show. So for me, it was coming to a realization that, you know, my life was going to be consumed with something other than hockey. And uh, my dad served over 20 years in the Army, and I grew up around that as well. So it always was in the back of my mind. It's something that I'd be interested in doing. Um, if hockey or baseball didn't work out, and it, it wasn't like a backup plan, but I thought it'd be good for for me personally. So I ended up uh, actually enlisting uh, in 2013, uh, probably midway through uh, the 2012-13 season. Uh, and then uh, ended up graduating basic training, um, I believe, in July. So right after that, you know, you're coming down on orders. I came down on orders right when I got to my first duty assignment uh, out of 3-1, which is 3rd Brigade, 1st Infantry Division, and uh, got orders to go to Afghanistan. So right away, you know, you're doing all your, uh, your processing to get overseas, and you know, I was already packing my bags really as soon as I got to Fort Knox. So um, as soon as I got there, we're on a bird going to Kyrgyzstan, which is Manus. It's an Air Force base that's kind of your halfway point before you before you get shipped out in country. So from there, I went to CAF, which is Kandahar Airfield, a uh, very established airfield in Afghanistan. And I think the other bigger airfield is Bath, is Bagram Airfield. So I was in Kabul province. Uh, working out of there with uh, 2-2 Infantry, which is a pretty decorated infantry battalion. Um, so I was with a heavy weapons company, and I was specifically my duties and responsibilities was a saw gunner uh, in a heavy weapons company and a heavy weapons platoon. So uh, I got to you know start learning right away about what it's going to take to really survive out there doing your job. So, you know, we conducted probably over 100, you know, field operations or what you could call a mission uh, in uh, Tabul province. And, and there was a small little village there called Slot. So we we did mounted patrols. We did dismounted patrols. We did air assault missions all over, really. Um, and obviously, some days were more challenging than others. Um, but really, you know, you talk about culture once again. Those guys that I served alongside with in that combat tour, I I still am in contact with them today. And, uh, you know, I, they say brotherhood sports in the fire, and you really couldn't say it better. So I think transitioning out of the military, that was something I really missed was, 
you know, being able to be around a bunch of guys that were going to give you their very best um, because you really depended on them at one point in time. So after uh, my deployment at Afghanistan, I transitioned out and I ended up going to sniper school and transitioned to 25th Schofield Barracks. And uh, I was put up in a sniper section there um, and just pretty much trained all throughout my two and a half years with the 25th Infantry Division. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks Hawaii, right? Listing Graham, glamorous. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the, the terrain out there, the training terrain is very brutal. You know, it rains every night, so you're sleeping in the mud, you're sleeping Jeez. in a puddle. Wow. Um, but overall, my experience in the military is, you know, kind of something I've carried with me today. Um, it's, it'll always be with me, and it'll it's left a profound effect on me that, uh, you know, that's everlasting. So I'm really grateful, even through the adversity and hard times, the highs and lows of being in the military or being in combat. I've I've really been grateful because I've learned that in order to succeed, sometimes you're going to have to fail. And obviously some of the failures in the military are, you know, life and death. And, you know, I've lost friends and known some really good people that have lost their lives. And unfortunately that comes with the job. And, but uh, it's not an uncommon denominator uh, that kind of experience in the military, but uh, transitioning out, I think transitioning was the hardest part. Was trying to find my way out of the military and trying to find my purpose yet. So, uh, but overall, I'm grateful for the experience, and it it was very humbling, honestly. Yeah, you talked about your dad serving for you know over 20 years. Is uh, did you lean on him at you know for advice and you know help throughout the process of you know your your time serving? And your mom served as well, right? Yeah, my, both my parents did. Yeah, they actually met in the military. But, uh, yeah, I definitely leaned on my dad at times. You know, the Army is a big organization. You know, it's 400,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you got to deal with some, some of the bureaucratic shit that goes on. And, you know, like I said, I'm grateful for the experience. But along with being in the military, there's a lot of bullshit that comes along with it right. that really I didn't really enjoy that much and you know that's just part of the growing experience and some of the the processes that are implemented uh at least in the army other branches I'm not sure obviously because I didn't serve in those branches but yeah there's there's highs and lows there's good and bad in the organization and but overall you know the principles of being disciplined uh being accountable integrity all that I think those are some of the values I took from being in the military. So a lot of it, leaning on my dad for advice, was probably just a lot of putting up with me complaining mm-hmm. about all the bullshit that goes along. But, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, he, he did a combat deployment in, in the same sandbox that I did. And, and so he kind of, you know, uh, graciously gave me advice at times. And, you know, also just being a dad, you know, worried yeah. for his kids. So, uh, yeah, I definitely leaned on him at times, and uh, you know, other times even outside the military, still today. That's awesome. So, once you were done, and um, obviously, like you were saying, there's a lot of BS that comes with that, and um, you know, for 
I can just imagine, like you're saying, 400,000 strong and, you know, bureaucracy and lots of money, red tape, everything like that involved, uh, you know, but you, you talked about transitioning out and that, that being something that is really difficult. And I've honestly heard, heard that as well, but you've, you've transitioned so well and um, we'll get more into that down the line, like how everything you've done, but right away you, you kind of ended up, you fell into Iowa state. And um, so talk maybe a little about that your experience there. And then you ended up at Bethel. You were saying that, you know, God had called you there and then, um, you know, past that as well. But talk maybe a little bit about your college experience. I know you played uh, club hockey there and then D3 as well. Yeah. So transitioning out of the military, uh, like I said, I had to kind of uh, reconfigure and kind of find my purpose. Again, I always knew I wanted to go to school and, and pick up the, the skates and the stick again just because, you know, I missed it over that period of time and mm-hmm. uh, was so capable of playing it. Uh, thankfully. So, yeah, I ended up deciding to go to Iowa State because they obviously had, a, at the time, a very, you know, successful period where they're a competitive club in the ACHA and wanted to give that an opportunity where, you know, I could go to a big school and still play hockey. So I actually met some great people down there. My first year, uh, I ended up playing on the D- D3, the lower team. Uh you know, I only played nine games, and, and that doesn't speak for much. I think that was my toughest year was 2016 transitioning out. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty period or phase for me. I, you know, I lost uh, a good friend, Sam Odin. You know him. Yeah. And I went a through a sister period that plays of, at the U, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Emily yeah. plays at the U. Yeah. Rest I, days, I yeah. went through a period of, I think, grief and trying to understand – not that I had lost friends before, but it, it's different when it's, you know, on the home front when you're back home and, and something like that kind of smacks you in the face. So well, and it was I a little unexpected, a of, right? Like, you know, he he had struggled a bit, um, you know, but it like just to have, you know, when somebody that's older passes away, it's one of those things where, you know, it happens and they've lived a life. But when somebody young passes away, it definitely just hits you, you know, that much harder. Yeah, and every everybody struggles. Yeah, so I I struggled too, and I was feeling sorry for myself. And I learned a lot through that year or two that I went through. Is you know, you could throw a rock at somebody that's going through something similar, and eventually you got to get back on the saddle and and continue to live life. So that it was a, a tough period of time, but it was much needed. Like I said, you have to fail at times. You have to go through those those phases of adversity or those uh, times of hardship in order to grow. And for me, that was a big growing year for me. I, I learned a lot about myself, a lot about my relationship with, with God and uh, really come to grips with that. And I'm not really, not the most outspoken about, you know, my faith, but I think it's important that I continue to have a relationship, you know, behind closed doors with him. So that's, been a big part of my life and then you know going to Bethel Chris McKelvey the head coach there he uh he was that was his first year so he, you know that was Bergraff it was gone after before that right yeah Bergraff stepped down or resigned and then McKelvey uh Same took here. on the head coaching job okay 
so I had reached. I had. Reached I was at Bethel for a little bit with Burgraff, as you know, obviously, and then yeah, McKelvey came. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Did you guys cross paths or? You- uh, not okay. at Bethel, like you oh, know, okay. in Justin of I, like because we um, hockey growing up, obviously, but yeah, yeah, but so not not there, but oh, okay. just kind of coincidentally, <laughs> yeah. But sorry, go ahead, brother. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I reached out to McKelvey and just said, "Hey, you know, my two years at Iowa State were." You know, pretty rough, but also great. I met a lot of good people, you know. Uh, not to mention my friend Alex Gross and Joey DeLuca, the, my two teammates that, you know, helped me get through some things down there and also here, you know, good friends back at home. But moving forward, yeah, I reached out to McKelvey and I was pretty much a walk-on, you know, throughout the, the captain's practices and, and going into the season. I didn't have a solidified spot. You know, he gave me an opportunity. I only played three games at Bethel. Uh, and, you know, like I said, that's not much to speak for. I think getting there was the hardest part is, you know, working all throughout the summer, getting up to speed and trying to prove, you know, that I can still play at that level. So, you know, a lot of met, once again, met a lot of great people uh, at Bethel and um, still kind of just growing. You know, I was in my young 20s still trying to figure life out. Uh, graduate, do undergrad. Um, so it, overall, it was a good experience. I, I met some good people there, and, you know, I didn't finish out playing hockey there uh, my senior year. Kind of just focused on school because, you know, their program. Well, you studied abroad too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I yeah. did go to Europe. And, so that was an awesome I got yeah, so that's something you know. Like I think I, I had a former teammate of mine. We had talked and like, um, yeah, the, you know there the, there are there are trade offs, right? Like you know that you you don't get to do stuff like that when you're a college athlete and you're 20. You know, so I mean, like the fact that you got to do both, I think, is such an incredible experience. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, you, you know, you focused on your studies, but then you also found other other things to be passionate about. Like you know, you studied abroad, which is something that not a lot of people get to do. Yeah, no, the European culture is it's it's pretty sweet. Getting old, getting to go over there for a whole month and, and kind of weaseling your way from the bottom of you know down in Rome, Italy, all the way up to the top, and visiting different countries, seeing what their culture is like. It's it's pretty surreal. It's pretty cool, um, and, and you just realize you know what other countries have to offer as far as their culture and the way they operate and work and it, it's tough going over that i'd love to get back there but uh i just haven't had time but yeah that was a cool experience that i got to to do when i was at bethel and uh i'm grateful for that opportunity as well that's great and kind of i i just had a question kind of going back before you transition to kind of what you're doing now and stuff uh Back to the hockey stuff, you know, we talk a lot on here about, um, you know, hockey and diversity and being inclusive. Do you have, you know, have any thoughts? You probably had kind of some of the similar situations and ran into stuff like we did growing up. But do you have any thoughts on, you know, you know how hockey continue to grow and uh, involve more people of different backgrounds? And um, because we're on a medium that's um – voice may you just self-identify as well yeah i mean so i'm i grew up i was adopted by both my parents 
I was adopted from Seoul, Korea, so I, I'm Asian. I, I mean, I culturally, I, I had growing up, I hadn't been involved. Um, so, you know, I grew up around the hockey culture, you know, a diverse culture. You know, I got to meet you guys and got to play against guys. And, uh, yeah, I think part of growing the game is, you know, the game's super expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Up front, it demands a lot financially. And so not everybody gets that opportunity. But I think now there's uh, a need and want to give other people the opportunity or at least give them, get them through the door to know what the sport's like. Uh, yeah, growing up, I experienced, you know, different forms of racism at a younger age. And even, I think, at Iowa State, I, uh, I, actually, I actually got kicked out of a game because some kid, uh, you know, probably said something along the lines and I dropped them right then and there, got kicked out. Right. Think yeah. the kid maybe deserved it, but uh, oh, well, one hundred percent. There's, you know, and like that's exact, and that's why we're having these talks right now because, like, that's the kind of thing you know, you you know, you mess around, you find out, and like not, not like as you're saying, so so often, right? Uh, we we turn the other cheek because that's just the whole. That's what we do. But every once in a while, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna catch somebody on the wrong day. You're gonna say something. And you're gonna find out, and you know that guy found out, and so you know don't have to ever apologize for for defending yourself for somebody that's trying to make you feel awkward for being on the rink for 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 something that you can't control other than the color of your skin or or you know how you look or how you were born. Right. Yeah. You absolutely can't change that. Obviously, for me personally, you know, I've uh, grown some pretty uh thick skin so you know i'm confident to walk around and know that you know you can say all that this and that and you know as a kid i think inherently we we uh we're insecure right we're still learning about ourselves and so when somebody even makes a comment about you know what shoes you have or what clothes you know it it makes you feel a little insecure right so like for example you know you you have a kid that maybe is underprivileged no matter what background he has culturally, whether he's, you know, African-American, Asian, Indian, white, purple, orange, you exactly. know, they show up maybe yep. not, you know, and they're wearing raggedy clothes and maybe hadn't taken a shower. Well, there's probably more to that, you know? Yep. And mm-hmm. so when a kid's bullying them, you inherently, as, you're, as that person, you're just insecure. You know, you're always wondering oh man they're talking about me what are they saying about me now and so when somebody makes a comment like about your race as a kid you know you're just automatically putting your walls up and you become a little insecure because now you're thinking oh i'm different you know i'm not like those kids or i'm not as cool but that's really not the case you know as you grow up you kind of figure out where where you stand and really it comes down to your character, like who you are as a person, how you treat others. So uh, to me, you know, there's a bigger picture. As kids, you know, you're naive. Some of those kids making those comments have no idea of the, the uh, magnitude of what they're saying and how it impacts others. So, But as adults now, it's, you know, you, you got to watch what you say and how you say it. It, it definitely has an impact on people. I mean, you see it all the time now, and people are starting to, to you know, speak out against it, and I think that's inherently the right thing to do, you know? So, you, so kids don't have to experience that. 
you know they don't know any better even people that are on the other side they don't they might think that's normal for kids to speak like that uh, so and i'm sure you guys have had similar experiences yeah no that's awesome that was a great great response that was a great response and i think the whole part you said about normal is, is very true and that's kind of the atmosphere that we all grew up in at least from my perspective of it is that it was very normal and that 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 was okay then right you know we can't change the past but we can change the future and you know that's what we're doing now by speaking out on these issues and um you know we've talked i think you know for 40 minutes now about the great sport of hockey and this is the first time you know we're bringing up this kind of stuff so obviously we this is the you know greatest game on earth and we all agree with that but there's that there's still that small sliver where this is happening and like what there's there's zero reason for that so i mean like you know recently right with like jagger joshua where um you know that 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 whole thing happened and you know why why is a great player like that who's gonna go you know ahl maybe you know farther than nhl all that kind of stuff right you know be be a high level hockey player as a person of color who just wants to play the game and that's what they should be able to do um but you know over and over and over again nazem kadri right the list goes on and on and um you know but we don't want to be talking about this right like we don't we don't actually want to talk about this but the problem is is that if you have a platform and you don't speak out the people that can't actually speak out and don't have that platform are suffering. And so, you know, I, I, I love that again. I didn't, you know, it's inherently going to come up again with where people of color talking about hockey, but yeah, like, you know, that is, that is something that is a small part of the game, but, but needs to be eradicated. So, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for, for bringing that up because it's not easy to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times, right. Like I you know, we roll in a lot of positive spaces, but yeah, there's, there is negativity out there and, you know, every once in a while you'll go, you'll catch it. But like, you know, when you know you're doing the right thing and that you're doing it for altruistic reasons and that you're doing it so that literally as we're talking about right now, these kids don't have to experience and live through, you know, thinking back to the, you know, well, man, when I was, you know, 15, when I was, you know, nine years old, like I had to think about why somebody said this, you know, crap to me, like that's, that's what we're doing. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's incredible, and I, I love again that you were able to, you know, you're a transition king, man, and that sounds really, yeah. you know, I'm honestly saying that in a you know crazy way because knowing you know knowing you like for you know almost your entire life and like seeing what where you've gone and what you've become and you know you, people have said that about myself as well, but no, seriously, I mean like just looking at what's happening with you, I'm like yo, like so, um, you know, done with Bethel, studied abroad, all that kind of stuff, then. You're, you, you know, you start working for a law firm, you're going to go to law school, um, you know, you're applying and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're about to go to law school, but then you get the call of a lifetime, as you kind of mentioned, and then what? Yeah, so I was studying for the LSAT, I, I wanted, I think it was a desired goal of mine, but mm-hmm. after working for the law firm, uh, even then, you know, I'm, I'm seeing up front what attorneys do, whether it's you know, big corporate or uh, a small mid-sized firm. Right. I mean, attorneys attorneys work pretty much day and night. Uh, yep. And they work very hard. And they're, some of them are. Uh, but for me, I, I, I think never really looked back. So go, uh, I took just advantage bring it back of a little bit. Bring it back like, like uh, 10 seconds for what you were saying. You just broke out a little bit. Yeah, sorry. I think I'm going through a rough patch of uh, New Yorker. No, yeah, no, you're good. The... You're good. <laughs> no, we just yeah. want to make sure we catch it. So, yeah, you were basically saying that, um, you know, you're, you're working at the, uh, you know, law firm. Attorneys work, you know, night to day. They're hard, hard, hard workers. And that, um, you know, not that you don't want to be a hard worker, but just that you were going to, you know, figure that I want to work harder 
doing something that I'm, you know, able to. So yeah, that's where you kind of were. You were you were at. Right. Yeah. So I think the world. Okay. Uh, we may have uh, lost you there, unfortunately. But uh, you know, we'll we'll hop on here for a little bit. We'll still talk. So yeah, I mean, like this has been so honestly incredible so far. And you know, when we get Justin back, um, you know, we've done our research again on on Justin. We know Justin. Um, and so yeah, that's fine. Uh, we lost. He's gonna call back. So um, yeah, we've you know we've he ended up uh, being at uh, a law firm for a little bit, and then he got a call from you know an old military buddy that basically said you know we're looking for for a guy to, you know, work at the Pentagon and, um, you know, to come out there. So Justin did that. And Justin has worked at the Pentagon now for a while and um, has now changed assignments, but as well as being out in that area and, you know, giving back to this great sport, which he had talked so much about and being so deeply and passionate about, um, Justin is now coaching. So Justin coaches um, AAA hockey on the East coast and, and loves, loves what he's doing. And, um, is now going to be, uh, you know, I think, you know, have some sort of transition period as well. He's a transition man. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do, but, but at the end of the day, um, you know, kind of again, really excited to see what's next for him. And uh, again, you know, a guy that started his life in Seoul, Korea and came over to the United States and started playing hockey and, you know, like you know, my, myself and a couple of other adoptees on here, right? Like, you know, Minnesota culture, hockey culture, right? You fall in love with it. That's just, you know, you need your knees deep in it. And then, um, you know, looked at, looked in the mirror and said, you know, it might be better for me to transition into, into something else and served our great country um, as a, um, you know, put his life and body, limb and body on the line um, in Afghanistan and uh, ended up going to sniper school after that. And once, you know, he was done with that, transitioned again, right, back to hockey, like we all, you know, love and love and know. And although we experienced a little bit of a discrimination here and there, like so many of us have as people of color, he fought through it and uh, played high level club hockey, D three hockey, and then called it and went to school after that and studied abroad. And like we said, now here he is. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to probably cut just cause, um, you know, he's uh, a busy guy and, uh, I think we lost his signal, but, uh, great, great show so far. So, yeah, um, it's really awesome. Inspiring just to hear his story. It, it's crazy how, you know, people, some people can fit, you know, so many different things in a, Shorter amount of time, we're you know all the same age and exactly. You know, he's <laughs> been so many different places, done so many different things. Renaissance man. Yep. So and like you know, it's just goes to his perseverance because you know not every situation or thing works out, and you know some people you know take that and you know, you know, rest on their morals, but he you know he continues to change it up and continue to succeed. So that's awesome to see. Yeah. Wow. It's it's a. Uh, it's a long road, and you know, yep. as you're saying, uh, as people of color, right? We we experience that, and we we have to fight through that. And it's a little bit more than just playing hockey for us right now, unfortunately. But we're yep. gonna get to that point where it really just is. And we have so many great allies out there. I saw somebody the other day that you know, I'm an older white gentleman had put out some you know some statement about you know that a lot of my friends are saying you know why do I care about this and you know oh this doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like yo, if you really think that you gotta expand your mind you got to open a book you got to go talk to somebody so i mean if you're you know listening to that and that is your your way of, of thinking i'm not you know calling you out but uh, you know we just heard from again a guy who um you know like we we spoke on the entire show and we didn't want to get into that kind of stuff but no matter what if you're a player of color playing hockey it's, it's something that you have experienced so um 
great, great game, great episode. And, um, you know, I'm going to let Kendall finish it out here. Yeah, thanks again, Justin. We'll have to get you back on and uh, finish your story. But uh, we appreciate everything you've done and served for our country. And, and you know, we continue to hope success and you're furthering your career and, and giving back to hockey. So, again, we'll love to have you back on. Unfortunately, we lost you there. And we know we're headed to a game. So uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, special thank you to our veterans. Appreciate it. Hey, hockey's for everybody. Thank you. Yeah. I can do what I wanna make you a believer. Hear you say I from steady in the street corner. I make you a believer. Make you say I.